Listener Production. G'day, it's Rusty here, all set for part two of my podcast with Supercars team owner Charlie Schwerkolt. If you've arrived here without giving part one a listen, here's a drive-through penalty for you. I'm kidding. Jump back to the library and I hope you find it interesting. From the Schwerkolt family emigrating to Australia generations ago, the mark they made through sheer hard work, to Charlie getting the reins and bravely taking the business to a whole new level. Plus, getting into motorsport and applying his business skills to it as a team owner, being part of a title win and the breakdown of a friendship with one of the sport's legends. Coming up, rowing his own boat in the supercars pit lane and some seriously cool cars that are parked around us in the garage here where we recorded. We begin part two by looking back on his decision to bring out a champ car, an IndyCar star for the season of endurance in 2015 and how I joined them to cover the build-up. A couple of things that I have a um, personal recollection of. You very kindly, I think we went to, what airport was it? We went to Moorabbin. You picked me up in a chopper. There was myself, you, Sebastian Bourdais, and we flew to one of the handful of times I've been in a chopper. I loved it, a great chopper. And we flew to Winton because Bourdais was going to run the Enduros. And he'd done some supercars driving and we had kind of high hopes. Where I'm going here, you weren't afraid to experiment with some stuff like that. No, look, look, you've got to take a punt on things and some work, some don't. But, yes, you've got to have a go. And, and Sebastian, Adrian introduced me to Sebastian when he, he did a – a, uh, when we had those international races at the Indy and he mm. did one, he's a real deal and, and he can do it. So I rang Adrian wherever he was. He wasn't going to use him but you had to get him out and the whole thing and from uh, from the US he lives in Florida in um, St. Pete mm-hmm. and I uh, had to get him out and test days. It was it was hard. It was really hard but he he was great. I think he's, one of his uh, posters are up here on the wall somewhere and – and uh, he was a great guy, mm. mad Frenchman, but but <laughs> he he was good. And but you're gonna have a go, and uh, I, I just don't want to do the same old boring thing. And and uh, so yeah, I have vivid memories of 2016 Darwin and a massive crash mm. for Lee Holdsworth. Can you take us there? What are your recollections of that that day, and um, and so on? Yeah, so I. Uh, yeah, I remember at the start of the race and I reckon we were we didn't qualify, Lee didn't qualify real. I reckon he qualified 16, 17, 18, somewhere around there and then uh, and off he goes down the start and then I heard a massive crash and you couldn't quite see from the garage. You're watching mm. on telly and, and all this dust and everything and, yeah, sure enough, it was Lee and he, uh, he actually afterwards uh, we found out, I think it was uh, Courtney went into Bright and then Bright tapped Lee and he slid him straight into the wall, uh, turned him around and straight into the wall sideways. There was no tyres there at all, straight into the concrete barrier. Mm. 
and I can't remember how many G's it was. It was massive G, but it bent the roll cage really bad. And I think Lee did, he went to hospital, he did his pelvis and a few ribs mm. and uh, he was in a bit, a bit of a bad way. And it was, it was shocking. It was, you know, you never want a driver injured and, you mm. know, he, concerned, very concerned. Never been to the medical centre before and never been to Darwin Hospital before. But, um, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was really, really tough. And, of course... It was our only car we had and uh, we had to work out another plan. But my but first and foremost was Lee's safety and health. But, mm. um, yeah, it was pretty ugly. He's an amazing guy. Have you got a thought on now that he's, you know, he's a Bathurst winner and his career in the sports changed. He's, he's a part-time and enduro guy now rather than – and he's off doing other other things in, in a work-life sense. What was he like to – to be around and, you know, the influence you kind of had on each other. Yeah, he's a good guy, really good guy and I like Lee a lot. It's a shame we never got a, a, a good result for Lee. Mm. It was just circumstances. I get older equipment, the car, mm. I don't know. Um, he it just – it clicked, it all worked well, mm. um, but we just never got that result and, mm. of course, he left and then I think he went to Groves, I think, and then started getting a couple of results. They had better equipment maybe. Who mm. knows? I don't know, but equipment wasn't bad. But um, he's he's a good guy and we always say hi to each other. And But, yeah, that crash was – that was a big crash. What about Darwin? So you go to the, the low that you've just described there and how, how frightening that was and then yet you've had – podiums and then more recently wins <laughs> yeah. there as well haven't you what is it about darwin and people, <laughs> people tell me that um you were almost a little bit emotional when you walked into the corporate suite there in darwin particularly after frosty's effort this year yeah something always happens in darwin i don't know it's the heat i think i don't know <laughs> what it is i've got my own wavely forklifts up there now so really proud of that in darwin but i really do i think darwin's a fantastic place to race you know obviously corporate wise we're always having a great crowd up there but um um yeah scotty scotty pies had one two three podiums there and and that was really uh, that was great to get mm. those first three and that was COVID. Always disappointed we could never have a proper podium and spray some champagne or anything But um, uh, during those years. But uh, obviously this year, uh, Frosty getting uh, that win was exceptionally special and it meant everything to me. It was for that hard, hard slog of getting that win done and, and as you know, Frosty's always said, I'm going to get you a win. There's no dramas about that. It's just when it happens, it'll happen. Don't worry. Decade of work went into that, Charlie. Yes, a lot of work. I can assure you. I'm looking at that poster down there, Team 18's post. Frosty signed it and that's uh, number 18 of 18 posters. And yes, I was emotional about it. Yeah, mm. really emotional. It was it was, it was, was big. It was a lot of work. Let's just come back a little, a little fraction here in the timeline. Big step in 2017. You relocate the team from Dandenong to be closer to Waverley, don't you, to be a part of the of the Waverley umbrella, if you like? Yeah, it was uh, um, moved out of Dandenong and and go to uh, Mount Waverley where the forklift operation is, mm -hmm. which is really good. So I can go and do a, um, a, a leadership meeting or something with, with my team and then go down and do a, a bit of a tour with some potential sponsors or or be with the team. So it was great. There's only two or 300 metres apart. So that's really good, a really great facility there. So mm -hmm. that was a big thing for sure. Bruin Beasley, you mentioned before, I saw him over summer um, floating around with the Toyota Racing Series in New Zealand and, and, and so on. I mean, he's a one-off many, I know, in the in the operation, but to now be getting, I guess, that kind of calibre of people behind the scenes in your operations, important, isn't it? It is. He's a racer. He's a winner. He, he wants to – he wants the team 
to succeed so bad. He really does. He Do you butt heads hard. at all at times or are you, are you, are you on the same no, wavelength? No, yeah? no, 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 we don't butt heads, no. no. Does that get back to your ethos about uh, you kind of fundamentally let him do his yeah, thing? Yeah, I, I don't... I don't get in his way and he doesn't get in mine and I'm not one of those people to micromanage, what are you doing here, what are you doing there? Mm. Um, I like all my managers and the whole group to inform me what's going on mm. only to, uh, for interest's sake or if I can help. But uh, no, he runs the own, his own show. He's got a good right-hand man with Dennis Hoser. He's 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 a good Kiwi there and mm. he's, he's a very smart man and he's um, – they're building a good solid team. But no – no headbutting there with Bruin, as far as I know. He's he told me I think he's going to do the Toyota series again. I think, yep. but um, no, he's he's doing a good job, and and uh, we're a hundred percent on the same page. Good communication. That's what it's all about. How did you lure Mark Frosty Winterbottom away from FPR? Because you know, having won a Bathurst, having won a title for them, you could be people fans could be forgiven for thinking, well, he's. He's a lifer there. And now he's been with you, I think, since 2019. Maybe the convo started in 18 or before then, I don't know. But it's been a great addition for you, hasn't it? It has, yeah. No, look, it's a, a pivotal p- a, a time frame uh, with Team 18 then. Um, obviously, I was a customer at FPR Tickford back in 13 and 14. Got to know him a little bit. Liked him. Pretty focused. Very, very exceptional driver mm. and uh, good family man as well. And, and I thought I've got, to, I've got to lift the profile and get some people to come in and, and help me with this, uh, with this team. And so we started chatting in 2018 and he wasn't, he wasn't really happy there. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, uh, he, was, he was out of the 10 for a little bit. I think he was driving the Bottolo car in the end and he was just out of the 10. He wasn't, he wasn't at home. He mm-hmm. just wasn't feeling right. And uh, so we had a chat on a plane and uh, – another plane trip. And, uh, but we were going to Perth and uh, I said, I'm pretty keen to have a bit of a chat. And he said, yeah, let's sit down. We had a bit of a chat and, and try and work a bit of a plan out. And, and then, then I had the interview from uh, Renee. That was a bigger interview. That was at Tail and Bend. Now, why would Mark want to come with you? What's going on? <laughs> and and uh, strangely enough, I didn't have a sponsor. I didn't have a sponsor. Preston High uh, were moving on. Well, they were one of the people that I was looking at, but I had no sponsor. And I said, Renee, you've got to believe in me. I will get a sponsor. There's no drummers. I've got a few on the go. There's no issues. Um, I back myself. I always back myself of getting really good corporate partners and and uh, and – performance people she wanted to know everything mm. she she was the boss and in a nice way she's a lovely person and and very very good friends but uh i had to convince her to convince mark so got that done tick the box and uh they agreed to come on board which is great and uh and uh here they are today and he's a he's he's a legend of the sport he's mm. in a very happy spot obviously got the win He's 10th or 9th in the championship and uh, I think he's been 10 every year at mm. least and uh, still driving really well. In that time frame since since 19, you know, you're still growing as this, this um, as, as your own operation in, in a racing landscape. He's a competitive guy having ticked a number of, you know, very important career boxes. Mm. Were there moments where you sort of had to go, you know, in that belief manner you talked about a moment ago, stay with me, we're going to get here, we're going to get to the point where we can win that Darwin race and, and so on. 
Yeah, look, there's never been like, what am I doing here or anything like mm -hmm. that. There's never been of that. We've just got to build, we've got issues there, we've got issues there and, and we've got to solve these issues with people and, and he's very respected in pit lane yes. with, with all the staff and people. Why don't we look for him? Why don't we, you know, and uh, he's always... He's always got his team hat on and to make the team work, he's not a quitter or anything mm. like that and he's not going to, you know, because he's, uh, for some reason, he's down the back of oh, the, the team screwed or anything mm. like that. No, he's he's a worker. He's a hard, hard guy for the team and mm. uh, he's always had my back and I've always had his. So, so um, he loves it and I love having him on board. It's, it's really special. It's, it's really good. Nice. So we have podiums. You've talked about that. We have a poll in Tasmania. We have a win in Darwin, among other success stories. What's next, Charlie? There's <laughs> a little thing called Bathurst coming up as you and I sit here and talk, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Look, uh, obviously, uh, that second weekend, I think it is now in October, that hasn't been the kindest place for me. Mm. I've, when uh, COVID was on, I think there was a race there. We got a fifth and a sixth um, um, with Scott and uh, Mark, but it hasn't. Uh, Sebastian Bourdais and, and Lee, we got an eighth or a ninth that was... That was um, that was good, but a lot of the time we've had little gremlins. Something goes wrong. The last year's race, there was a nose to tail. Both my car and and both cars of mine didn't nose to tail after a car spinning around. So it's been a bit of a tough one. But yes, it's certainly uh, the one to win. I would love to win that more than anything. It'd be just fantastic because it's you know it, it's 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 such a special place. Has there been in the the build of this? a driver signing potentially that got away. Did you have conversations with someone that you, you've ultimately got frosty, which is, you know, a, a huge credit to you and obviously um, a, a, a big driver of what you wanted. But was there another at all along the way that you yeah, tried to look, get? Yeah, um, look, you mentioned him before. There's a couple of helmets up. up, up uh, you tried for Marcus? Yeah, so uh, Marcus had a, a sponsor, which was Jeldwin, mm -hmm. which is part of the Stegbar Windows yep. and, and Corinthian Doors business. And uh, I said to Nigel, he's, his contract was due in 14. Mm -hmm. I think this – got to go back to my End memory. of his time in NASCAR. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I – when we raced in Austin, I stayed with Marcus and to go through the whole thing, try and work a plan together of, of trying to get Marcus on board because he you – know, the Jeldwin side of things mm -hmm. and – and then uh, um, we got pretty close. It was really, really close there for a little while and we needed another a good backer. We, I remember the two backers at the time were – the others were going to come on board were Caterpillar mm -hmm. and, uh, at the time and, uh, and then also Monster looked there and I still yeah, can't believe wow. the people that are around and tried to get the backing and the whole thing and we, we got close but unfortunately it failed and he stayed there for another uh, a term and then uh, I moved on as well. That's massive. It because is, Because yeah. I, I think he'd had a conversation. I think he told me in the pod when he came on that he'd had a conversation with Roger if Roger ever decided, Penske I'm talking now, to ever venture down the, the supercars path. And then obviously you're staying with him as well. So there must have been a bit going on in his world <laughs> in the whole juggle of that. So yeah, you, no, it was good. You so, went close. Um, yeah, we got pretty close. Yeah, it was good. It was, uh, would have been a, a coup for the sport back then and uh, – um, to get the right backing, the whole thing, but just couldn't quite get the money there, the whole thing, and he had to decide if I'm going to go one more term or not, mm. and uh, which he ended up doing, of course. But uh, I, when I see him, if we're Tassie mm. or wherever we go, and uh, yeah, so hello for sure. Cool that you've got those helmets too. They're uh, they're beautiful. Success with Ford, we've talked about that. You've run Holden's as well. You've gone the Chev Camaro path for Gen Three. Um, did you? 
consider Mustang and how far down the track did you get or was it that you were wanted to be loyal? No, I'm a pretty loyal sort of guy, uh, Rusty. Um, all the manufacturers that I'm with, the Toyotas, the Hinos and the Kenworths and all them, I stay with someone and build and build the mm. relationship. And so I'd been with Holden since 2015 and knew all everyone at GM and I thought it was just the natural progression sure. to mm. to uh, to continue with GM. And, uh, but, you know, as you can see, there's a Camaro there. <laughs> I reckon they're a, a, a pretty... Yeah, Good looking thing. Yeah, mm. beast there. So, no, it was uh, always a plan to... To, to go that way not a bad daily driver we'll come we'll come to that how did you cope from a racing perspective with COVID because for a time I think the team was in Sydney weren't they as everyone tried to juggle borders and crazy stuff like that yeah that was tough that was really tough and you forget about those days you know um just on on my side of things I was still had a national business that I wanted to oversee and get around and all that sort of stuff so I ended up driving a truck between all the states I did about 20 trips in the in the uh, the 12 months of just driving truck between Hell, that's, a, that's a stack of K's it is a lot of K's but I wanted to see my branches and there was a lot of a lot going on and being you know the face and and yeah I uh I did a fair bit of that that sort of stuff myself. So I was away a lot. But the, probably the big thing was the team. The team was away, I think, just shy of four months, living away. They were in, you know, all those the Ipswich races, the all that stuff up there, the Sydney Motorsport Park stuff and getting hotels and living them. I didn't have to do that. Mm. and uh, But it was it was hard for them. And, uh, and uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a tough period. And... Uh, um, you never want to do any of that mm. again. I felt for the families. That was the big thing. We had lots of messages going to the family. We had the sides of doors with all the wires. We'd have, you know, there was mm. a lot of that sort of stuff to, to keep the interaction between families going. But, uh, no, it was a tough time. And as you say, all the while, you you sensed a moment of opportunity as we, we perhaps gradually look like we might starting, you know, be starting to come out of it. While many people would have gone, no way, I'm, I'm not doing that in this current climate, you actually went the other way and hit the go on something pretty significant from the business side, didn't you? Correct. Yeah. yeah. When Look, when things are tough and there's – when things are really, really tough, there's a lot of opportunities out there. You've just got to – you've just got to take the next step and uh, it can go wrong pretty easy too. Mm. Fortunately, it went right. My model, the the – it worked. It worked really well. And as I said earlier, stock is king and just renting forklifts out everywhere as people started to, to get on their feet, they need mm. another forklift. And uh, so I seized the day. You're a race winning team now. You've got um, a good chapter in the sport. Give us a state of the nation. Gen 3 is new this year. What's good? What needs tuning perhaps from a sporting side in, in your mind in the in the coming years? Gen 3, uh, look, I... I like Gen Three. One, they look good. They really look good. They 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 they're good enough to be world class cars. They really look good. They sound great. Sound great. They mm. really sound idling in the garage. It's lumpy cam and just sound fantastic. And, Listen and to off you, they go. Transporting back to your teenage <laughs> years, aren't you? Off they go. And yeah, the flames, the whole thing. So I think they're a, a great looking car and a great sounding car for sure. Uh, a bit more expensive on the build. Um, and I'm so glad we did build them ourselves. We mm-hmm. we uh, did order a couple of cars off Triple Ace, um, and then we ended up buying all the components for those cars. Not to 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 so to do everything right, but um, Bruin and Dennis said, "Why don't we build our own cars? Wow. Why don't we do it?" And I said, "No, 
it's going to cost more, the whole thing, people. We need to know what these cars are going to do. We need to make sure these are built exactly how we want them. So they talked me into it and uh, and honestly it was one of the best things. So we built our cars, all bits and pieces came in and put them all together and, and obviously they're good cars. So um, probably my concerning thing is one, the cost, but two, if there's a, a big shunt, a little bit concerned about repair bills mm. and and a little bit fragile in these rear clips, front clips, et cetera, and all that sort of stuff. It's going to be somewhere like Gold Coast mm. or or Adelaide 500, one of those concrete walls. Mm. Yeah, you won't get out again. That's that's my fear there. I think the older cars are a little bit stronger as in repairs. Um, not seeing the cars, you know, mm. it's a great race car that we've got now. So so for Team 18, yeah, no, we're in a good spot with those cars and, and it's the first time that I've built or bought brand new cars for the team since 2013. So it's been... 10 years since I've had a brand new car. Our previous cars are one-year-old hand-me-downs from Shane Van Gisbergen mm. or, or Jamie Wincup. I've always been triple eight cars. So this is this is a big thing. Our own brand new cars, the serial numbers T1801 and T1802 and and hopefully we've got a spare chassis down the track for, for another project or something like that or a spare car. But um, yeah, it's good. What about more broadly in a sporting sense? what the sport you might like to see them do in in the, in the next couple of years, next five years and so on? With my own team or the no, sport? No, the sport, the sport. More, more, look, more broadly. Yeah, there's a lot of chat about uh, going overseas with these cars and, look, I'm, I'm if the model stacks up for the sport, our owners, um, I'm in. I, mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing. One, uh, on the global stage, it can't hurt sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Sponsorship is so important. And if, if we had a corporate suite and we're activating in, let's say, Singapore, I think it's a good thing. Um, but the other thing for me is staff uh, retention is so important in this world, in any business, whether it's, you know, Myers or David Jones or wherever it is, mm-hmm. retention so important. And if we're doing something different, our guys are getting and girls are getting a trip overseas that's fully paid for and, and going somewhere and racing somewhere different. I think it's something to look forward to and something a little bit outside the square. And mm-hmm. as long as the model stacks up, the television stacks up and the sponsorship stacks up, I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Hey Siri, take me to Brad Jones Racing in Albury. I mean, hey Siri, take me to Brad Jones on Rusty's Garage. The bit where I he took him talks for a, about a lap around Bathurst in the Audi. And, you know, you, if you look at the interviews, it's like, well, you know, Bradley's going to drive me around. Let's hope he doesn't drive too hard, you know. So we get in the car and we're driving down pit lane. He's got an face helmet on. And he looks across at me and he says, um, Nothing to prove here, Bradley. <laughs> and I looked across at him and I said, want to bet? <laughs> I said, I find it ironic that the fastest lap you're ever going to do around Bathurst <laughs> is in the passenger seat next to me. This is gold. Thanks, Siri. He sure is another team boss with passion. Brad Jones was born into racing and has built up relationships over his lifetime. And with that, he has plenty of stories to go with it. Check him out in the Rusty's Garage Library.
you and I are a little bleary-eyed as we sit here because we've watched Shane Van Gisbergen this morning at whatever it was, 4.30am racing in uh, yeah. NASCAR in yeah. the United States. So his, his want to go and, and um, start a new chapter is a part of what looks like being a massive silly season. Now, I don't know whether you can or can't comment, but where is Team 18 at in relation to all that stuff for, for the next couple of years driver-wise? Uh, Karen Ian, Mark Winterbottom's there for this year and next year, all cool. locked away and, and uh, happy. Yes, yeah, Skopai's up at the moment at the mm-hmm. end of the year. Look, um, um, nothing nothing's decided yet. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going down opportunities, paths, see what's there. Scott's doing the same thing. We're just working out what the best path is for Team 18 on, on, on all sorts of areas. So mm-hmm. getting closer but – Nothing's locked away yet. I'm just looking at opportunities. Good mate of mine in a broadcast sense, Michael Caruso, is with you guys for the Enduros. They tell me on test days and stuff, he's like the third engineer. Is this right? He's running around with the tablet and in with in with Frosty. We've got to do this and we've got to do that and so on. What's he like? No, he's, he's a good guy. He's a great guy. I saw him obviously at the Sydney race. Uh I don't know about third engineer, but I think he was second <laughs> second team manager. He was he was behind there running around. What's he doing now and everything? No, he's alive. He's great fun. And uh, he he does a few pit tours for us. When, oh, excellent. Uh, He'd be very good at that. He very is very good. good. He's got the gift of the gab, mm. as you know, and uh, not quite as good as me but because uh, he's not going to take my job. But, uh, no, he's great. He's great to have on board. And uh, so, yeah, he'll be with, with – um, Frosty at the Sandown and, and, and Bathurst. Bathurst and then another old hand in the other car, Warren Luff, who's who's been Excellent. around there a few times and he's yeah. he's a ripper guy as well and uh, saw Luffy for breakfast the other day and, yeah, he's, he's, he's solid, he's good. Wonderful. Good that you've got him um, involved. Milestone year. We talked a little about this before for Waverley. 50 years, Charlie. Yep. Unreal. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very special. I can't believe how... Quick fifty years ago, I, uh, how how <laughs> you look it's at me now, fast. but it, it has <laughs> gone fast. I've I've achieved a lot. The whole business has achieved a lot, and uh, yeah, we had this fantastic celebration at at the Sofitel in Melbourne. There was about four hundred guests there. Flew all my staff and partners in, and Excellent. and customers and sponsors launched their two cars there for the the Camaros there, and it it was a massive event and. And uh, he was hosting Mark Beretta. He was our Excellent. host there, and Brett's stirred everyone up. And uh, it was the night of my life. It was fantastic, and really proud. From from when I joined, there was was actually twelve forklifts to to have about five and a half thousand forklifts in the fleet today, with some most amazing customers and people around me. And uh, no, it's it's special. So, what does the Energizer Bunny want to do next? We know you've got Bathurst and championships that you want to tick with Team 18. What about in a business sense? What do you... Well, we'll go to 6,000 forklifts and then seven and then, <laughs> and then eight and just keep going. Um, no, look, we're very focused on on uh, staying in your lane, keeping what we're mm. doing. Um, we've got a bit of a niche in the industry of short-term rental. No one can do, you know, no one can do what we do. There's not another company that can do what we do. So, and we just keep building and, and looking after our customers and and uh, there's no other, you know, we're in every state now. I'm not going overseas or anything like that. It's, it's uh, might, might go over to your, your side of the world over in New nice. Zealand, but, but um, no, it, it's, it's very rock steady and, and uh, it's, it's just only gonna grow with machines and grow with Toyota as well. And so that's all pretty solid. 
Team 18, obviously, more wins, more podiums and just slowly keep building. Um, it's it's uh, The culture's really good. It's getting better and better. The staff are uh, happy. No one's leaving, you know. You know what it's like. At it's the not easy the in this business. It's not it's easy. It's not. And mechanics leaving everywhere, engineers and swapping around everywhere. It's pretty – it's a steady ship and mm. a credit to Bruin and Dennis of keeping this ship where it's supposed to be and – and building that and and uh, hopefully building with our sponsors, they will stay on the ones that are up and contract and build with them. And uh, so, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's smooth sailing, I hope, but never with supercars. But, but uh, but yeah, no, we're, we're going okay. So hopefully give me a bit of time to play with some of these cars, cars around here. Motor racing is an ultra, as you know, competitive environment, lots of alphas and so on in a – in a business sense, are there parallels between the two? Does one complement the other? Does the motor racing side of things give you maybe a, a different outlook on something that you're doing at Waverley Forklifts or do maybe some of the things that you apply in the forklift business? Have you thought about that on the motor racing side? Yeah, for sure. Look, the, the, you got to think very quick on your, on your with any decision in car racing and they'll, they'll come to me for some decisions on a few things and they're oh, far out. But... You know, go back to the early days when I'm on the front page of the the, the Courier Mail when Dick and I are breaking up and doing the media side and all that sort of stuff and and uh, I learnt a lot. You learn so much and it translates into Waverley for sure. Um, um, yeah, it's just – it's all people-related really. Mm. It's all people-related and uh, I've learned so much and I can deal with a lot more uh, things on the fly now because of car racing 100% and uh, – so, yeah, and, but communication, it's the biggest thing. A few to finish before we sink our teeth into these cars. The next generation of Schwerkholz are into it. Are they either in the forklift game or they are in the business, aren't they? Yeah. They, um, uh, I got uh, a beautiful daughter, CJ, which is Charlie mm. J. So mm -hmm. she's another Charlie. And uh, she uh, had, she's a great piano teacher. She, uh, started her own little um, piano teaching school called Vapper and unfortunately was one of the casualties of COVID, you know, that mm. it just wasn't working. So she somehow talked her way into working for dad up at Waverley Forklift. She's in our Queensland branch. She uh, she loves it. She, I think she's been there a couple of years now and doing a great job and she's just got a bit of a promotion. So she's going to rental and uh, she's, she's very, very similar to dad. Is she? Yeah, she's very similar. Very, very. She's a bit of a uh, energizer as well, and uh -huh. go, 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 and and hasn't got the finesse yet. Okay. But uh, but no, she's she's good. My son, he's he's going to go into Waverley one day too. He's um he's with our partner, our tour to forklifts, and he's doing a forklift apprenticeship there. Good on. And uh, he's he's going great guns. He's been there three years now, and. Uh, and uh, one day he'll probably work for Waverley, but he's really entrenched in the Toyota world. He loves it and uh, got a lot of mates up there and he's doing an awesome job. And and uh, so really, really proud of both children. In really your amazing, as you should be, in your amazing story, <laughs> you have been fishing with former US President uh -huh. George Bush Senior. What the hell was that like? What did you talk about? Where did you go? And so on. It's going back 20 years now, but um, we had four cliffs uh, with Vizzy, which is Richard Pratt, yep. and um, got friends with Richard Pratt through connections, etc. And 
and Richard rang me up one day and said, uh, hey, listen, I've got a VIP coming out. Would you be able to take him on your boat? I want a, a, a boat to go fishing or a charter boat. And I said, yeah, sure, I can do it. Who is it? I can't tell you who it is yet, but all right, it's George Herbert Bush. Uh, the 43rd president of USA, and I'm thinking, far out. This is big. This is massive. And I said, yep, I'll do it. What are you going to charge? And I said, no, don't worry about it. Don't, I'd, no, it'd be an honour to do it. So uh, so I had to sign all these documents, um, Secret Service documents, the whole thing, to, to make sure I don't tell anyone yeah. because he said, I'll put you under our PR department. There's going to be a cavalcade come. My boat was down in St Kilda Marina. Fully checked out. The whole thing. So what happened... Uh, um, my boat was confiscated from my pen and taken to the police compound and they had divers underneath and, and making sure there was nothing going to happen to the boat. It was there for a week before this happened. Couldn't tell any of my mates. No one was allowed to know. Signed all this disclosure statement. And then all my mates are saying, what's going on with your boat? Have you you've run out of money or you've been on drugs? You've been caught? What's going on? And uh, it was hilarious. But then, yeah, Cavalcade came in, put him on the boat a typical Melbourne dreary day, windy waves, and uh, we went out in Port Phillip Bay, went fishing, and I think we did uh, catch nine uh, flathead there. We cooked them on the boat, and uh, it, it was a great day. And yeah, cool. Be, his son was the president at the time, yeah. had uh, 9-11 since then, and he was a good guy, and uh, he drove the boat. All I wanted to do was drive your boat, so I got some really cool pictures of him driving my boat, and... So it was a special day and uh, I regret one thing. He said, got to come back to Houston anytime you want, come and stay at the ranch and uh, I should have done it, just uh, got a bit too busy. But uh, he, was a, he was a cool dude and unfortunately he's passed away about a year ago. So, mm. so um, yeah. Right. Step us through a couple of the cool cars that we are sitting in today. It is so good to be recording a podcast in a man cave environment like this. So there are front ends of race cars there are bonnets there are team signs that you would ordinarily see above garages at at, uh, at racetracks and so on now i'm drawn to a couple of them firstly there is a mustang over my shoulder here shelby pretty rare blue too is that yeah, right yeah look that shelby i it's a you can't call them mustangs anymore i think mm. they're just a shelby because the mm. ford name's on it but but uh, it's a Carroll Shelby Mustang that I've had for about 15 years and uh, I bought off the original owner in America. It came out in a container and it was full of rust, completely rusted out and was borderline restoring it. But no, we did restore it. A friend of mine in Brisbane did it and uh, got that all done. And it's uh, one of 47 in Acapulco Blue with the stripes and everything, a beautiful car. And uh, we just had it up at Noosa Concourse which I normally don't have time or do these car shows, but a friend of mine, Steve Paget, started this Noosa Concourse, uh, sort of like the Pebble Beach. And uh, so I said I'd put a car in, so I put that one in. It was it was really good fun. So I put that in and, uh, um, yeah, it was a, it's a great event. So that's one of them. There's a caddy, I think, which the kids have had some special maybe uh, school-related things in, have they? Like uh, school functions, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, formals and all that sort of stuff. And the old Cadillac, I've had it for 25, 30 years. It's an old convertible. It's got electric seats, air conditioning, all sorts of – everything's electric on it. She's an old 64 model. And, uh, yeah, it's a cool old cool old car. Charlie Schwerkort, 007. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not doing Sean Connery very well there. Not too bad. There is an Aston. There is an Aston that is, on the outside, Bond-esque. 
what lies beneath is a very, at the moment, is a very different story, isn't it? Tell us about that. Yeah, look, um, a friend of mine tipped me into a car that they said they want to maybe sell and uh, and uh, this lady said it was an Austin, Austin Martin, and I thought I couldn't quite work it out. But anyway, I found out, yeah, it's a genuine Aston Martin. It's a DB6 and uh, and uh, um, I'd been trying 11 years to buy this car. It's a very, very special car and I've only had it about a year. But um, unfortunately, it's got a bit of a it's, – it's, it, you could just about write a book on this car – the, uh, the original owner who's just passed away, the only owner of the car besides me now, um, uh, couldn't keep the car in tune, the whole thing, and had trouble with the engine. So they transplanted the engine out of it, the beautiful triple Weber Aston Martin engine. They put a Ford Falcon six-cylinder in it with an automatic, which was sacrilege. It was terrible. But uh, fortunately, they didn't get rid of the engine. Um, I've got the engine sitting next to me now and, and uh, so we're going to restore this car and uh, send it to, to friends down in Sydney to, to get restored and it'll be a beautiful car. It's a very, very special car. Rare colour too and the engine is a rare the, – the original engine I'm talking now is a rare spec, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's, uh, the original colour was mink, which is a bit of a silver silver pinkish colour and not many of them around this, this colour. Lord knows why he painted it gold but mm. anyway, he's – painted it and uh and the last this is one of the last few of the db6s and they put a uh the high performance engine in it it's still the aston engine that it was a vantage engine so uh hopefully that's got one of these hot rod cams in it and it'll burble Beautiful. away and cannot wait to get this car done it'll be a couple of year restoration and and uh yeah what a car to drive with webbers it'll sound sweet now over my shoulder is a jag you probably at the time the inquiries were sort of moving around, you thought maybe this is an XJS. You, I don't think you were a Jag type necessarily, but you've ended up with something pretty cool, haven't you? Yeah, as you know, uh, Jags are full of oil leaks. There's plenty of them. <laughs> Sorry to all the Jag fans, but uh, um, a friend of mine said someone wants to sell their Jag and I thought it's going to be one of those XJ6 saloons or something and I thought, oh, look, I, I don't want to say no. But sure enough, I was very fortunate to see a beautiful British race, racing green uh E-type Roadster manual, beautiful, beautiful old car, and uh, and uh, it's it's certainly up there with all the cars that I've got, and uh, yeah, I love it. Snapshot of a couple of other things, if we can. There's a Ute, little GMC truck, little pickup truck, little C10 stepside. Got a big block to put in that one day, and uh, it, it's a tough little truck. Something special that you've saved from the end of the Holden chapter to one of the last to kind of roll off the line. Hey? Yeah, one. It's a brand new uh, Holden. Calais director, one of the very, very last ones sitting over there. I think it, it wouldn't even have nine or ten Ks on it, I don't think, and it's sitting over there. Still got the plastic on the wheel and the seats and all that sort of stuff. I just start it up once a month and give it a bit of an idle and uh, who knows what I'll do with that one day. It's, it's, it'll, it, it should be a good investment, I would have thought, and, uh, yeah, no, it's cool. a ripper. Cool. Uh, in true um, indication of your time in supercars, there is Fords as well. So there's a Falcon over here and it's got a pretty – um, pretty special uh, story or chapter, doesn't it? Yeah, Dick uh, obviously made some road cars. They were called the DJR 320. I think they were 320 kilowatt. And uh, he ended up making about 22 of them. Rob Herod did all the conversion mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff back then. And uh, and they were big money. I think they were about 100 grand. They were even more than FPR car back then. And I thought, well, I'll get one of these and, and it was build number 18 out of the 22 and and then we 
supercharged two of them, number 17, which was Dick's white one, and number 18, which was um, which was mine. And, yeah, it's still over there. It's, it's, it's uh, for its day, I think that was 04, 05, mm-hmm. BF. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice car. And in supercars terms, um, complete with the, the Jim Beam livery of the time, there is uh, a Davison car, and we've talked already about the Courtney car in, in Melbourne, haven't we? Yeah, the Davison car, that's a BF as well. That last race in 08 at Oran Park, okay. which was the Jim Beam 400 then, mm. and um, with Will Davison running it. Normally, uh, then it goes into the Super 2. Normally, this car never has done no racing since then. Wow. None at all. It did some parade laps in its Jim Beam livery uh, with, I put Matthew Brabham in it at the Adelaide 500 one year and we did some parade laps Excellent. and all that. That's the only time it's ever ever uh, run again. But it's, it's all ready to race, the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, no, it's a great car. Awesome. Congratulations on an amazing uh, – you know, there's more to come here, I know, but but what you've done so far, it's been nice to talk a bit of business with you as well and for me yep. to, and, and hopefully the fans too, to understand a bit more of the Schwerkolt family story, your own story and the the proper passion and connection to, to motor racing. As you embark on a, another part of that book that I read for, for this, what do you reckon Charlie Schwerkolt of today would tell that young bloke taking over the reins from from his dad in 1988. What are the learnings? Yeah, look, I don't think there'll be another book for 50 years anyway. <laughs> I'm not going to make that far. But um, always, uh, you know, you, you, you've got to work so hard and never give up. You can't give up. But, you know, my kids aren't lazy or anything like that. Just work it and work it and work it and, and – uh, um, you get results. You you really get results, and and um, it's been a, it's it's been a wonderful journey I had, and I'm, I'm it's long way to go still. I've got a lot of things I want. I've got goals everywhere that I want to achieve, and mm. in personal and 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 car awesome. racing, and mm. and so um, yeah. But the next chapter is pretty exciting too. Lots lots on the go. Plenty of of uh, blood, sweat, and tears poured into it. That win. For Frosty must have been one to savour. There's been poles and podiums. We hope, mm. my friend, that there is, with what you've um, now done here, that there's a lot more success to come. We wish you, uh, we wish you well with that. Thank you for talking to us today. Cheers, Rusty. Thank you. It's been really, really special. So thanks again. A little footnote to finish here. When we recorded this episode with Charlie, it was only a week or two prior to the announcement that Scott Pye was going to be leaving the team. He has been with them since 2020 when Team 18 expanded to a two-car operation. Coming in to replace him, 2017 Bathurst winner David Reynolds. Quite a coup. Now, we wanted to ensure that we wrapped up the pod nicely. We couldn't leave this out. So we've gone back to Charlie and asked him for his thoughts on both these bits of news. Yeah, thanks, Rusty. Good question. Lots going on at the moment uh, at Team 18. Um, Scott Pye is moving on at the end of the year. He's been uh, an integral part of the team. He's been with the team four years, which has been a, a pretty solid lineup for the with Frosty and, and Scotty. But um, some new opportunities have arisen with Dave. Um, I've known Dave quite a while now, but probably the big thing he's raced with with Bruin and Dennis in the team. Uh, they've won Bathurst together and we can see some great opportunities with Dave. And uh, so, yeah, we're really, really excited about that. Um, you know, we've been chatting, Rusty, we've been chatting about the driver lineup 
um, for yeah, a few months now to see what's out there. And we've got a great culture at Team 18. And uh, I think Dave's going to fit into that culture very, very well. I, I, he enjoys the banter, a bit of fun, etc. But he can obviously drive. I think he's had 40 odd podiums. Uh, Bruin and Dennis have had a lot of experience with him at Bathurst, etc., winning races. and. I really think he's he's got a lot to offer to the team to 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 make the team 18 really fantastic. Rusty's Garage is written and presented by me, Greg Rust. Series editor and producer is Thomas Dullard. Audio production by Link Kelly. If you've got a guest suggestion, get in touch with me via social media. The Garage, that's where a journey begins with a tank full of passion-fueled stories.